Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us who has the last word. No one will be able to challenge his judgment of authority. Nobody. Many people say, well, you know, I'm going to give God a piece of my mind. You really can't afford it anyway, but, you know, but it wouldn't do any good. It's the only time men will be absolutely quiet before God's judgment. None will be able to thwart his enforcing power and authority. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. <laughs> Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Even Jesus himself asked the question, Who do men say that I am? Today, even though many use the name of Jesus, there are few who really know him. Today, as he continues his study in the book of Revelation, Pastor Xavier helps take a closer look at the glorified Christ. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 through 20, and the message entitled, The Unveiled Glorified Christ. The vision of the glorified Christ, right at the beginning of the revelation, to understand who is the victor. And here it's characterized, first of all, in verse 9 through 11, by the impressionable voice of the vision. Notice verse 9, the identity of the person. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ, was in the island of, that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was not above them, but he was one of them. The word tribulations there means a pressing together, a crushing. It's used for the crushing of grapes and of olives. This is the tribulation he's under. The persecution is on. Jesus told his disciples, as you know, in John 16, 33, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Notice, secondly, that he was in the kingdom like they. God is reigning in us. He is using us. The kingdom is present in the world. But the kingdom is yet to come. It's not completely fulfilled. At the end of Revelation, we'll see that chapter 20, 21 and 22, the kingdom age and the eternal aspect of it. But it's coming, but it's already present. So he is one like all others, no different. Notice the location was the island of Patmos. The island off the Aegean Sea in the Mediterranean, there 25 miles off the mainland, about 40 miles west, southwest of Miletus. Miletus was the island that Paul met with the Ephesian elders for the last time, remember. And it was used as a uh, prison camp for many uh, upper echelon criminals, uh, political criminals, and they would be sent there. Uh, there were mines there that they would have to work. Uh, Tacitus, the historian, tells us that. Now, Hippolytus tells us that John was exiled there after they attempted to boil him in oil, but he didn't die. And Eusebius mentions John being banished there by the emperor Domitian in 95 A.D., and then later released 18 months later by Nerva. So there's plenty of historical uh, evidence outside of the scriptures that kind of gives us greater information to the brief description of the place he's there and for the reason he's there. Now, John heard behind him, notice, a loud voice as of a trumpet. The one speaking was the Lord Jesus Christ, the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. The first and the last letter of the alphabet. In other words, he is the eternal one. He is the source of all things. He is the end of all things. He is creator. There's no one else besides him. He's sustainer. He's the judge of all mankind. He is everything from A to Z. Only the book of Revelation refers to God 
as Alpha and Omega. You find that nowhere else he is everything. Notice the Lord Jesus command John to write, to write in the book what he saw in the vision and commissions him to send it to what? The seven churches in Asia. There were many other churches. Why these seven? Well, as we look at seven, seven is used to represent a number of completeness many times in the scriptures and certainly in the book of Revelation. And it's the complete representation of the church and its condition as we look at it and the entire church age. Looking at these seven churches, you will look and you will be able to assess the different conditions the church can be in or will go through and what they're to do about it. And they represent a type of Christian that can exist today. You can examine yourself. And so this was the impressionable voice of the vision. It just, it blew him away. Now notice secondly, the incredible person of the vision in verse 12 through 16. In verse 12, John turned to see the voice that had spoken to him. And having turned, he saw seven golden lampstands. The Old Testament tabernacle, as you know, had a lampstand with seven branches back in Exodus. But that's dealing with Israel. The lampstands here, John, are seven separate lampstands. It's not describing the Jewish menorah with seven branches, but it's seven separate lampstands. The Lord Jesus gives the interpretation, by the way, in verse 20. He makes our homework easy. You remember going to school, you, you had the problem, then you had the answers in the back, and you're not supposed to look? Huh. All right? The churches are not the light in and of themselves, but merely the light holders. For Jesus is the light of the world, John 8, 12 tells us. Only in this manner are churches and Christians light to the world and the light of the world of Matthew 5.14. As we allow him to hold us and fill us and live through us. Notice verse 13. John saw one like the son of man in the middle of the lampstands. Jesus took this title for himself. No one calls him son of man. He uses it for himself. Identifying himself with humanity, he became man, flesh. John 1.14. He was clothed, notice, with a garment down to his feet. Referring to his priestly dress, goes back to Exodus 28.39. Many of the portions there of Aaron, who was a type of the high priest that come, Jesus Christ. And certainly not of the same tribe, because he was of the tribe of Judah. But prophetic of him. Notice the word down. The word down appears only this time in the New Testament. Yet we find it seven times in the Septuagint. Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. We find this word there found seven times. And of those seven times, all but one is used for the high priest. This is the only time we find it here in the New Testament. It's the priestly, the high priest, Jesus Christ here in heaven, as we study in the book of Hebrews, that forever lives to make intercession for us. Notice the garment is to the floor, having no need of girding up. Why? Remember that you, you gird it and you put it in the sash so that you can work, you can run around and not trip up on it? Why is it down to the ground? Because the work of redemption is done, it's finished. There's no more work to be done. His work is done. He was girded about, notice, with the, uh, about the chest with a golden band representing dignity, majesty, kingly royalty. Deity, gold stands for deity throughout the scriptures. Notice his head, his hair, they were white as wool and white as snow. This is indicative of three things, 
Purity, holiness, and wisdom. The epitome of all three. Notice his eyes. They were like a flame of fire. This is symbolic of his penetrating vision. Being the prophet. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Notice that. No one can do anything without him seeing it. No one can escape him. The threefold office of Jesus, high priest, king, and prophet, is very evident with the descriptions up to this point. All three offices. Notice in verse 15, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. The description is indicative of his firm judgment. Brass and bronze, either one, are always symbolic of judgment. In the Old Testament, the brass altar where you judge the sins through the lamb or the goat or whatever it was. Refine means without error. There's no fallibility here. The judgment is perfect. All have been warned of the judgment that come in this first coming. People are without excuse. All will see the consummation of God's wrath who are left behind for the great tribulation. All will be judged by their deeds, by the gospel, without partiality and according to the secrets of their hearts, Romans 2, 6, 11, and 16 tells us. Incredible. Perfect judgment. Notice gold is mentioned, representing deity, brass, representing judgment, but there's no silver mentioned here, as in the Old Testament. Why? Because silver speaks of redemption. The redemption's done. His work is finished. Notice the voice as a sound of many waters, symbolic of the majestic power and authority. Have you ever been like to Niagara Falls or something like that, a big waterfall, or, or just something that overwhelms you, you're not aware of it, and a train goes by, it just, you know, it just overwhelms you. There's the power, authority. This is the understanding behind this. No one will be able to challenge his judgment of authority. Nobody. Many people say, well, you know, I'm going to give God a piece of my mind. You really can't afford it anyway, but, you know, but it wouldn't do any good. It's the only time men and women will be absolutely quiet before God's judgment. None will be able to thwart his enforcing power and authority. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. <laughs> Notice he had in his right hand seven stars, verse 16 tells us. The seven stars are the seven angels or messengers of the churches interpreted by Jesus himself in verse 20. We're not left to our own again. Stars are often symbolic of angels, as you know, which are simply messengers of God. In this case, again, they have to be pastors. Why? Because why would John give the revelation to an angel? We've already seen the chain of command, right? The father to the son, the son to his angel, his angel to John, John to the churches. Are you saying John's going to give it back to the angels? Then why not just stop after Jesus gave it to his angel? So even though it's the same word, most of the time it's translated as angel, but it can mean messenger, a man. The context is very important, so we have to be careful. The right hand is a position of privilege, power, and authority. He is in control of the church. He is desiring to direct and guide the church, always. And yet as I look around to the church today, man feels so sufficient and so proficient, especially with the uh, study of church growth. 
And we plan out where to buy the church, the right property, visibility here, there. We'll go through the phone book. We'll do all this. We'll do that. We'll do all these little programs. Wait a minute, wait a minute. My Bible says God asked the church that he said should be saved. God help us if we add to the church. We're to witness. We're to pray. But God asked to the church. Notice still in 16, he had coming out of his mouth a sharp two-edged sword, representing war and perfect judgment, the standard, the plumb light, being the word for judgment. The word here for sword is ramphelia, a long thresh and sword of destruction and judgment. There's another sword which is short, a hand-to-hand combat. This one's a long thrashing sword that often they put it over the shoulder so they come across this way for judgment and war. He's coming back in judgment and war. First time he came meek and mild. This time he's coming back and every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Make no mistake of that. This word is used of David when he cut off Goliath's head in the Septuagint. First Samuel 17, 45, the big thrashing sword. Jesus came the first time as Savior. He's coming back as the majestic Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Notice lastly here, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. He is the majestic Christ in fulfillment of the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17 too, which the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, was allowed a preview, a sneak preview of the second coming. <laughs> Glorified his face that shine as white. Here it is, the fulfillment of it. In his glorious outshining splendor, in his radiant Shekinah glory. Jesus told his disciples, I will build my church in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church based on the fact that he is the son of the living God. All judgment has been given to the son by the father, Jesus said in John 5, 22. He's the one that will judge you want a preview of it? Look at Psalm 2. The sun comes back and the whole world is there gathered to stop him. And he says he will have them in derision. He will laugh at them. And the psalm finishes like this. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry with you. Why? Because he's talking to a pagan world. What do pagans do? You and I, some of us were pagans. We get a little idol. We kiss it. That's our devotion. He says, you want to be devoted to someone? You devote yourself to the Son because he's coming back in judgment. This was the incredible person in the vision. Notice last is the inescapable perception of the vision. John did not walk away say, what did I see? What's up with that? He knew clearly. When God reveals himself, he reveals himself to be known. Not to be guessed at. (laughs) Notice verse 17. The response of John in seeing Jesus was overwhelming, first of all. He fell down at his feet as dead when he saw Jesus. The natural response of all men in the Bible, if you study it, when they come face to face with God in some form, whether it be a theophany or Christophany, is that they are in awe and in godly fear and they bury their face to the ground. Moses, Elijah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all of them. Notice the reassurance to John was to strengthen him because he was being overwhelmed. Jesus comforted John by laying his right hand upon him to assure him he would not die because often we're reading the scriptures that men were afraid they were going to die when God spoke to them and, and, and God isn't going to appear to you to kill you. 
He doesn't have to do that. But he veiled his glory to communicate. But they clearly understood no man can see God and live. So they freaked out. He assures them he would not die. And then Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. The often repeated statement to the servants of God. Either stop being afraid or don't be afraid. Why? What's the implication? They were afraid. Rightly so. Good common sense to be afraid when God speaks to my heart. Notice in verse 18, the re-emphasized authority is declared to John by Jesus. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He was once dead. The entire ministry of Jesus being Savior and Lord is based on the fact that he died on the cross for the sins of the world and he rose out from the dead. He's alive forevermore. The error is tense in the case that he was dead, in fact, one time. Amen simply means so be it, affirming and confirming. I second that. <laughs> it's true. I have the keys of Hades and of death. He is the life giver, the life taker. Jesus told Peter, and I say unto you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against you, Matthew 16, 18. Gates represent authority. The authority and power of Hades, which is the place of departed spirit, will not have authority or power over the church of Jesus Christ. It's not greater. Satan's a fallen angel. Jesus is God. And so Hades, as you know in Luke 16, tells us of two compartments before the cross and the resurrection. The men of faith went to one side and the, those without faith died on the other side. The place of faith was known as the bosom of Abraham, the place of comfort, paradise, different terms. And then when Jesus rose or he went, descended to the lowest part, Colossians 2, 15 and 16 tells us, in 1 Peter 3, 19 through 20, he descended to the lowest parts, preached to the prisoners, scooped them up and took them to heaven and he spoiled principalities, made a public display. They couldn't stop him. Why? Because he destroyed him who had the power of death. He tasted death for every man. He rose out from the dead. And so Jesus led captivity captive and took those to heaven in Ephesians 4, 8. After the dissension or ascension, as he led the righteous to heaven, now all there's left when people die without the Lord is they go to Hades. There's only one compartment. Because all who die in faith are instantly present before the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 8. It's just that simple. Hebrews 2.14, he tasted death, or he destroyed him who had the power of Satan. And Hebrews also tells that he tasted death for every man. And notice in verse 19, the repeated command to write and the commission of John is stated by a threefold division of the book which serves as a table of content. Write these things which you have seen, the revelation, the unveiling of the, of the glorified Christ, the heavenly high priest, chapter 1. Write the things which are the church age, the seven churches, Chapter 2 and 3 again. Write the things which will take place after this, the seven-year tribulation, the great tribulation, and the second coming, the kingdom age, the resurrection, the judgment, and the eternal aspect. All of that from chapter 4 all the way down to chapter 22. There are three visions of Christ in the book of Revelation. This is the first one, the glorified Christ in chapter 1. The second one is as a lamb slain in chapter 5, verse 6 through 7. And then... King of kings and Lord of lords in Revelation eleven fifteen. Those are the three pictures of Christ. The glorified Christ, the lamb slain, and the king of kings and Lord of lords. Now notice lastly in verse 20. He repeats the vision, notice, to assure 
what John saw, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven lampstands. The right hand, again, symbolic of authority and power and privilege. The word mystery is the word masturion. It, it comes from the root word which means to shut the mouth. Something that was previously hidden, now revealed. It's not secret anymore. These are things revealed. We can know about them. We know what they are. And we should study them. The word angel again, angeloi, appears 76 times in the book of Revelation. The majority of them speak about angelic beings. But you must always consider carefully the context. When it does speak about the messengers here to the churches and the individual letters, they have to be to the overseers, shepherds, or pastor because it's given to them for the churches to read Angels won't do that. It wouldn't make any sense. Jesus has the clear position of power and authority. He is standing in the midst of the seven churches. He's in control of the oversight of what goes on. He's observing to see the obedience of the church or the lack thereof. All of the prophets of the Old Testament when God wanted them to understand, he gave them understanding. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12 says that the men of old, when they received the scriptures, they often examined the scriptures, and sometimes they didn't know whether it was for them or someone else. So if God doesn't give the understanding, they didn't understand. But the majority of time God gave the understanding... Here, clearly, John is given understanding, clarity. There is no mystery like an Alfred Hitchcock movie or, or secretive. It's clearly unveiled, the very word, apocalypsis, the unveiling of the revelation of Jesus Christ is coming. Today, we have uh, men teaching from pulpits and... Uh, they declare that they have had appearances of Jesus. I myself heard some years back, and they're saying that they were shaving, and Jesus appeared to them, and, and the man says, he just kept on speaking to Jesus like nothing. I go, you, you keep on shaving, and Jesus appears to you? Everybody in the Bible falls on their face, and you, you're shaving and talking? The Bible says that's not how men respond. Their testimony contradicts Scripture. Their testimony reveals the lack of reverence for God and the arrogance of spiritual pride. And they want to pass themselves off as more spiritual than they really are. And there's enough gullible people to believe it. Before we can do good warfare, we must be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, and put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6, 10, 11 says. As Jesus put his hand on John, so he's not overwhelmed to strengthen and comfort him. So you and I, we have to put on the armor of God and be filled with the Spirit first for the difficulties of life so we don't get overwhelmed. We can't do it on our own. To preach the gospel, to tell people that their sins can be forgiven. We have that authority if you truly have repented. If you don't repent, then I can say to you with full authority, you're still in your sins, and when you die in your sins, you'll go to hell. I also have the authority to assure you that you have eternal life if you repent. Hmm. The Christian is to be about the Lord's business till he comes. And so John's vision of the glorified Christ is characterized here by the impressionable voice of the vision. 
the incredible person of the vision and the inescapable perception of the vision. And it's all to be handed down to the church so that she not be ignorant. Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the importance of heeding the word of the Lord. And you can request a copy of today's important message called The Unveiled Glorified Christ. It's available on CD for just $4. And make sure you share these words of encouragement with someone in your church or Bible study. The title to ask for once again is The Unveiled Glorified Christ. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. What happens when a church loses its first love? That's our topic next time when Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more insights from God's Word right here on Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com